So for Christians, Easter is the most uh, sacred and important holiday. And as I mentioned in the announcements, one of the reasons that we gather on Sunday and not Saturday, which you'd think, because, you know, Jesus was Jewish, the, the disciples were Jewish, so they always observed the Sabbath on Saturday. Well, why do we as Christians gather on Sunday? Well, it's because we feel that Jesus' resurrection, which happened on a Sunday, is, the, is so significant that it becomes the lens through which we interpret Scripture. It's the lens through which we interpret life. And you might not believe, if, if you're watching or here, you're not, or, or, or not so sure that Jesus literally rose from the dead, but bear with me. If It makes sense that if we truly believe, if I truly believe that a man claiming to be from God is killed, is buried, and then three days later rises from the dead, I mean, that changes my view of everything. It would totally change how we look at God, how we look at the world, how we even relate to one another. Resurrection changes everything for us Christians. And we view the world differently because of it. We view God differently. We view the possibilities differently. This is an illustration. When my daughter Abigail was uh, small, we noticed that she was misunderstanding a lot of things in school and that she would miss things in her schoolwork that we knew that she understood. And it seemed like she didn't have very good eyesight. And so we actually took her to the eye doctor, and sure enough, the doctor said, yeah, like she has the eyesight of like a 90-year-old woman. I mean, it was just really bad eyesight. And what was interesting is that when she got her glasses for the first time and she put them on, she didn't know what she was even missing. She said, I, I can't believe, I didn't know that if you're standing underneath a tree, if you look up, you can actually make out the leaves, the individual leaves. She had never done that before. I mean, yeah, she knew about leaves, but when she looked up at a tree, there was just a green blob. She, she didn't know that there was that detail available. And it changed how she looked at things. And Jesus' resurrection, it's, it's like those glasses. When you put on those glasses, you never see the same again. Right? So I want to encourage us today all right, to put on some resurrection glasses all right, and see how things look differently. Now, you might be thinking, wow, I always wondered what Pastor Joe looked like in glasses. Well, now you know. But you might have also been wondering, what does Pastor Joe look like with women's glasses? Now you know. Now, I don't know why you would be wondering that. But these are my wife's uh, glasses. That's why they're women's glasses. But we need to put on those glasses today. That's what I want to encourage us to do. Because without the resurrection glasses, let's face it, we look at the world and we see uh, disappointment. We see suffering. We see, we see the sin and fallenness. We see our own limitations. But when you put the resurrection glasses on, then you see, wait a minute, death is not the end. You, say, you, you see that there's a hope beyond yourself. You see things that you can't see without those resurrection glasses. And that's the same thing, not just for us. That's what happened with Jesus' disciples. The people who followed Jesus around for three and a half years of his life, they also needed the glasses to be able to see the resurrection 
glasses. And so in the Gospel of John, so a gospel is a book of the Bible that talks about Jesus' life and teaching. There's four of them. Well, in the Gospel of John, we have an example of this. There's a theme in the Gospel of John where the disciples don't quite understand But then after the resurrection, they're able to see things differently. Their understanding of who Jesus is and what the possibilities are, it changes. And so they go from this small band of uneducated lower-class peasants to a movement that spans the globe when they put their resurrection glasses on. So let's look. There's a couple of examples from the Gospel of John. Let's first look at John chapter 2, verses 14 through 22. This is a famous passage um, about Jesus cleansing the temple. So John chapter 2, verse 14. In the temple, Jesus found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So you see, Jesus says something, and there's an event, but the disciples, they don't quite get what he's talking about. In this incident, many of you probably heard it, even if you're not that familiar with the Bible, where Jesus drives out those who are making the temple into a place of commerce, Now, in order to understand what's going on, we've got to understand the the Jewish context. What is the temple for? Well, this is when um, the temple stood. It was destroyed in 70 AD. But the temple stood, and it was the place God said, I'm going to cause my name to dwell in that place. That's the place of connection. So if my my presence is going to be there in a special way. So if um, if you want forgiveness, you had to go to the temple and offer sacrifice. And that sacrifice would cover your sin. But why did you go to the temple? Because that's where God's presence was. That was the point of connection between God in heaven and people on earth. It was that central place where the Jewish people would go. And And Jesus, being a good Jewish person who grew up that way and his disciples, he went to the temple. And when he saw this, he cast out all of those people. Now, think about it. The Jewish leaders, though, they, they're the ones in charge of the temple. And so here they see an uneducated carpenter from Galilee. And yeah, they'd heard about him. They heard he did some miracles. They don't see anyone special, and yet he's sort of claiming the right or the power to throw people out of the temple because of what they're doing to it. So they say, listen, the way we see it, if you're going to, you better show us a sign from God, a miracle from God to, to sort of legitimate how, why are you, you can't be doing this. So show us a sign. And Jesus answers them in verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Well, that's impossible. It's impossible to, I mean, this temple had taken, it had taken 46 years, and it was one of the wonders of the world. It was so ornate and so 
large. Um, it dominated. It was the center of Jerusalem, and it was so large because it was the center of the faith, and they wanted to, to, to show that through its grandiose nature. And, and they said, that's impossible. It took 46 years to build this, and even the disciples, I'm sure, looked at one another like, uh, I mean, we've seen him do some things, but that's impossible. You can't build a temple in three days. But then we see the last two verses. It tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead, then they started to understand, right? Verse 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. And when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. So after the resurrection, the disciples were able to see and understand what Jesus was saying. Basically, they put on their glasses. After the resurrection, they put on their glasses and they were able to understand, wait a minute, Jesus is claiming to fulfill in his resurrected body what the temple has stood for, right? The place of God's a presence, the, the connecting point between heaven and earth, the place of forgiveness. Jesus is saying, in my resurrected body, you will have all of that. What's interesting is that you know, on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, we uh, had Mitch Foreman come and talk about the Messiah and the Passover and how Jesus fulfilled many of the elements of, of Passover. Well, here we see in this scripture that with their resurrection glasses on, they're starting to be able to see, wait a minute, that this sign that Jesus is going to give, the sign of his authority, the sign of who he is, the sign of being that connecting point between uh, heaven and earth, it's not going to be the building up of this temple that will be destroyed in 70 AD, but rather it's the raising up of his body, of his flesh and blood. Now, both of those things are impossible, right? I mean, building a temple in, in 40, uh, that would took 46 years to build, raising it up in three days, that's impossible, but so is resurrection. But that's the point, isn't it? That's the point. Jesus is saying, oh, you want a miraculous sign? I'll show you one, but I'll show it to you after, so that on the other side of resurrection, you'll see that this isn't, that, that Jesus isn't just an interesting teacher, that he didn't just give a few points for living. He didn't just give us some therapeutic deism where I don't really know God, but he, uh, it's like a self-help thing. No, Jesus in his resurrected body is the new center point between heaven and earth, the linchpin of God's plan. So Jesus' body was the place of God's presence, the place of forgiveness, and all of that. And so the first question I have for us today is, do you look at your relationship to God through that resurrection lens? Or do you look at your relationship to God through traditions, through a stagnant building, no, in Christ, God, God shows that he's not absent. He's not aloof. He's not unapproachable. That in Christ, you're connected. Again, not through a building, but through his resurrected body. Think of the difference. That uh, uh, you have a body. I have a body, right? Well, Jesus, God in the flesh, son of God, son of man, that's a personal connection right there. And yes, that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. 
So if that was your connecting point to God, well, then you would be ruined. But if your connecting point with God is the living, resurrected Jesus, well, what did we just sing? Jesus lives. That's a living hope. That's a living connection, a living personal connection that transcends time and space, that transcends our little world. And so stop seeing Christianity or as a stagnant religion of rituals, traditions, and buildings. Because all that is going to be torn down. Even if it took 46 years to build. But Jesus lives. Jesus lives. And again, that is, if we look at our relationship with God through the lenses of resurrection, it gives us that connection to God that continues to live. Now, there are many other times in the Gospel of John that talk about how the disciples didn't understand. And last week, we actually talked about one of them. Remember in, in Palm Sunday, John 12, 16, it says, Jesus rode in on a donkey, and it fulfilled Scripture. And it says his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they understood. There's also in um, John 13, where Jesus is washing their feet. And Peter's like, ah, you can't wash my feet. I don't understand what you're doing. And Jesus says, ah, Peter, you don't understand now, but later you will understand. Okay? You see, if Jesus stayed, that's a, and that's a theme, okay? So that's a theme in the Gospel of John. They don't, not even the disciples fully understand. But think about it. If Jesus stayed dead, well, then his claims and all the things he, he did would not quite add up. I mean, many people throughout history, right, have claimed a special connection to God. And there were many people, even in Jesus' day, who claimed to be the Messiah. And they, many of them said some good things, some, some pretty remarkable things, some good advice. But that doesn't radically change how I view the world or how I view God like the resurrection does. Because the resurrection means that, again, God is close He's personal. That everything that Jesus said takes on the eternal significance of God's plan because God has always planned to bring a restoration where we would one day stand before God. But now when he raises Jesus up as the first fruits, he's saying, yeah, this is the center point. This is what you need to pay attention to. And this is supposed to change history and change life. And again, that's why we gather on Sundays. But without the glasses of resurrection, it's hard to see all that depth, all that detail of what belief and faith in Jesus actually means, right, for our lives, our day-to-day living. Because belief and, and, and faith in Christ, it's not just a concept. It's a relationship to God, this living Christ that opens up, and, and well, think about that, a relationship with the God of the universe. A reconciled relationship with the God of the universe through the living Christ. What should that do? I mean, I mean think about it. You say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm connected. It's Easter, so I'm connected to the almighty, holy creator and sustainer of the universe that raised Jesus from the dead. Wow. And someone comes up to you and goes, oh, yeah, your, your life must be so different. No, not really. Same old, same old. I mean, that doesn't make sense. 
Resurrection opens up a whole new view of what's possible, of who God is. Even, even in tragedy, the death of the Son of God, God can turn into triumph. Even your sin that separates you from God, my sin that separates me from God, is not the end of the story. Jesus lives in victory. But you need the glasses to be able to see all that is in it, the glasses of resurrection. And again, that was true even for the disciples who actually lived with Jesus and saw his miracles. Um, For instance, Thomas. As we go to the end of the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, we see that the disciples meet the risen Jesus. It's Easter morning, right? And they meet the risen Jesus. And this is what we read in verse 24. It says, now Thomas, so he's one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus rose from the dead. So Easter morning, Easter, all the other disciples see the risen Jesus. They're blown away. They start to see things in a whole new light, but Thomas is not there. And, but the other disciples, verse 25, told him, we have seen the Lord. We've seen the resurrected Lord. So they see things now. But Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. See, Thomas did not see. He did not have the resurrection glasses that the others had. And he refused to put them on. He would not put them on. He did not have a resurrected faith. His faith remained in the grave because he thought that's where Jesus remained. So, yeah, Jesus had some good teachings, but not eternity changing, not life changing. So the impossible, well, stayed impossible. Yeah, I mean, when Jesus was alive, he saw some miracles. But now that he's dead, back to the same old, same old, the impossible remains impossible. The promises of God remain unfulfilled. God is silent. He is remote other than a few flares here and there. And Thomas looked at himself as sort of a a disappointed chump. Someone who shouldn't get their hopes up again. Everything looked drab. Everything looked like a disappointment. How he spent his last three years. Hard to understand because he didn't have the resurrection glasses on, and he refused to put them on. But then, eight days later, Thomas found some glasses on the bottom of his Easter basket. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, when, when when you're a kid and there's all that weird plastic grass stuff you put in the Easter basket, and, and yeah, you eat the bunny and all that stuff, but then a few days later, what? You, you look underneath the grass, and like, oh, look, there's more. Well, that's what happened to Thomas. Eight days later, he finds the resurrection glasses. So verse 28, eight days later, his Jesus' disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. He puts the glasses on. He sees Jesus in a whole new light through the resurrection, doesn't he? And then Jesus says to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
Again, things totally changed for Thomas when he put on the resurrection glasses. Instead of seeing just death, disappointment, and doubt, Thomas saw who? Thomas saw Jesus, my Lord and my God. He really wasn't seeing before. But now he's seeing Jesus for who he really is. That God is living. He's powerful. He's promise-keeping. The presence, power, the purposes of God, they all became clear to Thomas. And it changed everything. So that Thomas and went along with this small group that went from a, a small group hiding in fear because of Jesus' death to going to the edges of the earth and proclaiming the resurrection power of Christ. And Thomas, it said, tradition says Thomas went to India. What's modern-day India is where Thomas went. And instead of proclaiming, yeah, Jesus was a great teacher, said some interesting things. He said, let me tell you about my Lord and my God who rose from the dead to establish new life. He changed the world. Now, some of you might be saying, Okay, now, I get you. I'm, I'm tracking with you. If, if this risen Jesus will appear to me like he appeared to Thomas, then I'll, put on, then I'll put on the glasses. Then I'll believe like Thomas. But don't you see? Thomas was not an example to follow, but a warning. A warning not to depend on on your physical poor eyesight any longer. Because just as my daughter was born with poor eyesight, we all have poor spiritual eyesight, and we can't see all of reality. And that's why Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. But then look at verse 30. This is where, where the, the gospel writer, John, he, he adds this sort of epilogue, if you will. Uh, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Again, which, which we can't see because he's not written about them. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing you may have life in his name. John said, I'm writing these things to you so you'll put on the glasses of belief and see that it being, brings life. It's, so Christianity is not a blind faith. It's not. It's a faith that we say, what these eyewitnesses say has happened, we believe it's really happened. It, it's a faith that says, you know, God is doing something sometimes that I can't see or understand. But that's to be expected. That's to be expected. If we're dealing with a power and a plan beyond ourselves, I assume there's some things that I can't see. That unless God gives me the glasses, unless God gives me the eyesight to see, I won't be able to see them because I'm finite. I, I haven't lived forever. I can't see what happened 2,000 years ago. But it's not a blind faith because that's why John writes and says, I'm writing this so you'd put on those glasses. There's many things we can't see, but it's not blind faith. For instance, there's ultraviolet rays. And actually, these glasses are those blue glasses, right, that are supposed to, you know, on a computer screen, block the blue light out so it doesn't hurt your eyes. Well, I don't, I don't ever see that blue light, but I trust that, well, oh, this is going to help me not get headaches, or my wife not get headaches, even though I, I don't see that bluish light. 
And in fact, right now, you know, I, earlier I told you to take your cell phones out. Right? There's cell phone wireless waves like all over the place in here. I don't see them. But I know that it's, it's going to, from here to our access point and then all over the place to all sorts of people. I don't understand how that works. I can't see these radio waves, these Wi-Fi waves. But it's not blind faith because I trust that they're there. So it is with Christianity. If God raised up with Christ, it opens up a whole new view of God. And the fact that, yeah, we weren't actually there doesn't mean it didn't happen. Because look at Thomas, again, as an example. If, if, if Jesus never appeared to him eight days later, well, did he appear to the others? Yeah, he did. He really rose from the dead. He, he was seen by others. Well, whether Thomas saw him or not. So when we put on the glasses, yes, sometimes it's, it's putting on something that we're like, well, you know, I can't see with my physical eyes certain things, but that's to be expected. And so, too, do we need to put on these glasses and see who God is. And so, if this is, you know, I think Chrissy prayed this earlier. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. And you're, and you're like saying, yes. Yes. Jesus did die for my sins. He rose from the dead. It's not just a concept in my mind. I'm understanding now that it's, it's the center of God's plan. That Jesus is, is the temple. His risen body is the temple. He's my connection point. And if, that's the, if this is the first time, hallelujah. You might not actually be able to see it, but right now there is a party going on in heaven as you are stepping from death, from blindness into life and sight. Because that's in the Bible many times when people come to faith, what's it compared to? The miracle of the blind getting sight, of the dead coming to life. And that's exactly what's happening. So if that's you... Um, we would love to help you in your, in your growth. You know, just send us an email. Send us, uh, you know, message us on our page. Or write a note. But I just want to take a moment, a quick moment. You know, we have Easter ham to get to. <laughs> I want to talk to those of you who say you've put on the glasses already. That you said, yeah, I've believed in Jesus' resurrection. I've put on these glasses. Maybe it was been 10 years ago. Maybe it was a few years ago. Can I ask you why do you keep leaving your glasses on your night table? Because I, and I do it too. I'll go through a day and I'll be like, I looked at today as if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But if Jesus rose from the dead and those are the glasses we're supposed to live our life in, then why are we acting as if God can't change our situation? Why are we acting as if there's no hope? I mean, looking through the, the lenses of resurrection, if God can raise the dead to life, I think he can overcome your sickness. I think that he can bring life to your dead marriage. I think that he can bring life to you if you're in struggling and being killed by addiction. I think that as we look at this world and say, oh, there's no hope for this world. This is awful. There's injustice and crazy things going on. If we look at the world, we'll lose hope. I mean, I think about last week that... Um, there was an Asian woman in New York walking to church, 
and she got beat up. That's the kind of world we live in that's full of that kind of hatred and racism, and that can get you down and saying, oh, there's no hope in this world. But if you put your resurrection glasses on, you will see that Jesus, he was, he was killed on a cross unjustly, and yet he rose in victory. He's cha- he changed the world and is changing the world. But, so why are we acting as if there's no hope? Put on the glasses today, Christian. He still lives. He's still our connecting point. Think of an example I read in uh, Jim Simbala's book about a woman named Grace Rosado. She grew up a, a, a pastor's kid, but she had this burden to start a ministry house for troubled women. Now, she wasn't a troubled woman, so a lot of people are like, well, how come you're opening this house? And, um, and you don't have any money, and you don't have the right people. That's never going to happen. But Grace trusted that God's resurrection power is available because he lives. And not with eyes on her situation, but her eyes with the resurrection glasses on, she saw God bring the right people together, the right sponsors together, so that for over 35 years in New Hampshire, lives are being changed through her ministry. How did she do that? Because she looked at the world through the resurrection lens. And not only that, but now she's causing women who've been battered and and abused to see and find new life in Jesus themselves. And they're putting on the resurrection glasses and seeing what kind of healing is available in Christ. They are keeping their glasses on and it's changing their lives. So friend, Christian, why are you acting as if the world is all there is? Right? Sometimes we do that. We don't put on the resurrection glasses. We act as if this world is all there is. And so we invest our time, our money on worldly things, and we fear losing those things. But when you put on the resurrection glasses, things take on a whole new light, don't they? I mean, think about how much you care about what other people think about you. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead to give you eternal life. Does it really matter all that much if your friend Martha doesn't approve of how you use your free time? And it's true. If Without the resurrection glasses, things that are small and insignificant can seem so big. But with the resurrection glasses on, we see things from a whole new level. So whether it's the first time or that you're putting on the resurrection glasses or it's the 100th time where this morning you had to, you had to just like every other Christian, you had to say, I want to put these on. Don't forget the resurrection glasses. It changes everything. And this might be putting the analogy too far, but, you know, my daughter, um, she recently got the LASIK surgery, right? She got that laser eye surgery because she knew, like, I don't ever want to put my glasses down because without my glasses, I can't see. So I want to make this permanent. It's worth it. Well, for us, let's make that commitment. I want, Jesus, I want to put these glasses on every day. I don't want to go a day without seeing your power and your purposes and experiencing your presence in my life. I see that you're the temple. Now that you've rose from the dead, I see who you are. I see what's possible Help me keep these glasses on every situation, 
when I'm looking at death's door, when I'm looking at disappointment, if I put those glasses on, Lord, I'll see things that I can't see without them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see. We confess we... God, those of us who are Christians, we often look at our world as if you didn't rise from the dead. We look as if Jesus, as if Easter's just an interesting holiday for candy. But Lord, help us to see the power of your resurrection. Lord, help us to see you as our temple, the connecting point between us and God. And Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, if there's those who are are for the first time saying yes to you, putting on those glasses in belief, I pray you'd bring them to the right place, that they would mention that to someone so that they would continue in their walk. Because Lord, we all need reminders to put the glasses on, even if we've been a Christian for a long time. So Lord, we put our glasses on now. Lord, prompt us whenever we take them off to put them on again because we need you and we confess, Lord, that you have risen from the dead. It has changed everything. Lord, let your resurrection power work in our hearts. Let that work in our hearts, our lives, how we parent, how we do marriage, how we do relationships, how we do finances, how we do everything, Lord. Help us to see anew through your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.